For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high quality and easy to assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in beautiful downtown Santa Monica, the heart of Silicon Beach. Please be seated. We've got a great show for you today. And um, it is an issue we've talked about once before in 2011 after um, bloggers were um, seen hanging from um, bridges in um, in Mexico. We actually talked about um, the, the the war, the drug cartels war against bloggers, and we we're back doing that today. We have with us um, a, a fine journalist from Fusion uh, Magazine, and um, Rafa Fernandez de Castro, and um, he has written several re- recent uh, articles on the state of affairs in in Mexico, and particularly on how the battle has moved online. And, um, and how citizens faced with a, a cartel and a corrupt government are actually trying to use the online space as a way to fight back against the cartels. And so it's a very interesting story. And, um, I'm thrilled to have, um, Rafa with us. Um, could you hear us? Yes. Thank you for having me. Um, where, where are you calling in from? I'm calling uh, from Miami, uh, and I'm over here in the Fusion offices. Uh, this is where our headquarters are. Uh, but we also have an office in L.A. In L.A. Oh, okay. Um, we've had um, we've had some of your, your journalists on before. I'm um, Hill, for example. Um, but I don't know if she's, oh, she's been great. on. I don't know if she's been on since she's moved um, from Forbes. Um, but I, I believe any, she's in New York now. Yeah. Oh, she's in New York. Okay, and yeah. she's. Uh, I've, she's been on the show several times, and one time she was in Washington, another time she was in San Francisco. So, um, in any event, we're, we're thrilled to have you from Miami, and um, sure. and I, I was really struck by the the work that you did in particularly in discussing this this new platform, um, narco data. Um, but I guess you know before we get into it, maybe. We should give a little explanation about you know where are we today in, in the drug war in Mexico. Uh, yes, uh, well, the official, the Mexican government officially uh, declared a war against the cartels in 2006, uh, when then President Felipe Calderon uh, took power and and basically he arrived at a time where. The cartels were organized. You got to understand, Mexico for 71 years, Mexico was ruled by the same party, which is a free. And uh, during those years, uh, cartels and 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 the government had certain arrangements. Uh, and when I say arrangements, it, it was basically the, the government was not trying to completely eliminate cartels. It was trying to contain cartels because in the end, this is a problem uh, you can't eradicate completely. It's a problem that you can fix here and there, but right. as long as there's demand for drugs, uh, there's going to be someone who's going to supply them. And that uh, demand so basically, on the yeah. Exactly. So basically, uh, in, 2000, in, in the year 2000, when the PRI uh, lost power after 71 years, um, basically, 
the Iron Curtain fell in a way. Uh, you had all these groups, um, and the old government connections were no longer there. So what happened? There was complete chaos. Uh, so the new government comes in, uh, the new party, the PAN. It doesn't have a clear vision. It, it doesn't have, especially, it doesn't have a clear vision how to deal with the drug war, how to deal with these cartels. Uh, so basically, there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of infighting between uh, organized crime groups. And then uh, Felipe Calderon comes along in 2006. Um, he's also from the PAN. And his vision is to uh, attack the cartel through a frontal approach. Um, and what I mean by this is he deployed uh, army uh, troops in the streets of Mexico because uh, he really had no choice. The police wasn't uh, trained very well. It was very corrupt. So the only choice he had to fight back was to deploy the army on the streets. You know, and, and this is, uh, this is that uh, the consequences of that we're seeing today with a lot of human rights scandals that are coming out of Mexico. Uh, I'm sure you've heard and, and your audience has heard about the case of the 43 missing students. That happened last year. Uh, 43 uh, student protesters were killed in the southern state of, of Guerrero and their bodies were burned in a dump. Um, so there's a lot of brutality that's going on right now uh, in, in Mexico in regards to the drug war. There's thousands of disappearances. Like you said, uh, bloggers, journalists, they're being targeted. Sometimes the lines between uh, authorities and organized crime are being blurred because um, sometimes a lot of the threats are coming from politicians that, you know, they don't like an article you write or, or you know, you expose them. Um, so those lines are getting blurred. So right now, I would say if there's any lesson uh, in all of this is that we haven't progressed or, or we're not winning the war. And I think that's evident both on the U.S. side and on the Mexican side. Right. And actually, and on that point, just to add another, um, I kind of the highlight, a low light, is um, you know there was a, a prominent journalist killed just in, in August um, who had actually fled um, Veracruz, Veracruz to Mexico City, um, and um, and he apparently is like the thirteenth journalist um, covering Veracruz to be killed in since 2011. Yes, his name was uh, Ruben Espinosa, and, and he was fleeing the, the state of the coastal state of Veracruz because um, he believed he would be safe in Mexico City. There's, there's this perception that the Mexican capital is off-limits to cartels and, and, and larger organized crime groups. But what we're seeing uh, is that it's not. Uh, I, Ruben Espinosa was killed in an apartment uh, with two other women, I believe, it all indicates that this this was a, a you know this was a, a crime that happened because of his reporting. He was a photojournalist. He dealt a lot with uh, corruption issues, cartel issues, government issues, and and some even believe that the governor of Veracruz had uh, ordered uh, a hit on him. Uh, but so far, you know, the investigation uh, has said that there are no clear links. Uh, between the governor and, and the murder. Um, but, but yes, you're right. Uh, bloggers, journalists, they're having to leave their homes. Some are even having, you know, are trying to come to the U.S. so they can report um, accurately and without fear for their lives or that of their families. And um, I saw a report in The Guardian in response to um, Mr. Espinosa's death, and it said that um, in addition to the fact that he was the 13th journalist to be killed, um, from Veracruz in four years, um, that the press freedom group Article 19 stated that um, Veracruz is now the most, quote, the most dangerous place to be a journalist in Latin America, close quote. I, I, I mean, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, there's a lot of dangerous places in Latin America. Uh, <laughs> and overall, to be, yeah. to be sadly, and, and sadly to be a journalist, there's, also, there's always a danger that comes with that profession, uh, also here in the U.S., um, but, um, I, I, you know, in South, in, in Central America, you have, uh, El Salvador and you have Honduras, which uh, right. are on their way to becoming murder capitals of the world. Uh, but I think, uh, the problem is, is not that their lives are being threatened or that it's dangerous. It's the impunity that comes with it, right? So right. If, if you kill a journalist and you are held accountable, uh, for that, uh, there's no issue. You're going to jail. You're going to get punished. And you're going to set an example 
um, so that this crime is not committed again and again and again. I think the problem with Mexico is that most of these killings remain unsolved, and then you have this chilling effect where you can order a hit, you know, for 10,000 pesos, uh, you know, $1,000 or something like that, and people are getting killed, no one's going to jail, so it's really easy. Uh, journalists are becoming really, really easy targets, and the press uh, is silencing itself, basically. And, uh, you know, and actually, the recently, the U.S. ambassador to Mexico uh, on the anniversary, on, I think it was World Press Freedom Day, you know, mentioned the, the impunity of, of crime in terms of crimes against journalism and, and warned that the, it will have the silencing effect. And, um, but, and I think that is the issue that, you know, for an American audience that with it, one, we don't hear much about these issues. You know, I think uh, most people I know when I talk to them about the 43 students and I had just come back from Guerrero State and so, you know, was kind of curious to learn more about it. Um, then they did, they were surprised and, and, you know, the most I ever heard it come up here in the States was during the presidential election. Um, that Mexico just had, and so you, there would be Americans. I think are surprised when they hear stories about um, what's going disappearances in um, Juarez, and then you know, these, you know, the, uh, the impunity with respect to the journalists. Yeah, that's something I think they have a hard time understanding, and and, and, and frankly, probably aren't even aware of. Yes, I think a lot of, uh, you know, this, there hasn't been a lot of coverage, uh, and, and I, can, I can tell you this, when we were uh, covering the 43 Missing Students saga, uh, Fusion was one of the few outlets that was actively publishing stuff on a daily basis on that subject. But, for example, the New York Times, it took them a while to actually publish something on, on this disappearance, which was all over the news in Mexico. So yes, I think you know you, you're not you're not getting enough human rights stories uh, on this side of the border, uh, and, and you only get the, the the stories like the amazing stories or, or the the clickbait stories. You know when you have this drug lord Chapo Guzman uh, from the Sinaloa cartel tunnel his way out of uh, of a high uh, security prison in Mexico. So I think you're, you're completely right. There hasn't been a lot of coverage about the journalist killings, the impunity, the student protesters that were murdered in Guerrero on this side of the, of, of the fence. And, and I think you know, it, it's probably true, partly due to, and to the extent that there is coverage here, it, it is in the, you know, the Spanish language media, which creates a, you know, a segmented um, version, and you know, it doesn't necessarily filter into the mainstream media. No, you're right. I think most of that coverage... You can find it on Telemundo or Univision, um, but not on, you know, for example, not on Fox News or, or not on CNN. It, it, it takes them a while to pick up uh, those issues. And in a way, it, it's like uh, sometimes I feel Mexico doesn't matter, right? We're like that neighbor south of the border. Um, but, you know, if your, neighbor, if your neighbor's house catches fire, uh, yours will eventually catch fire, too. Right. So, what I'm saying is um, it's in the best uh, interest of the U.S. And, and the people here to pay attention on what's going on south of the border because a lot of, what's, uh, of what people are doing on, in the U.S. is fueling that, uh, that crisis in Mexico. For example, the flow of weapons, um, which ended, resulted in the death of an ATF agent um, a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, the demand for drugs, uh, there's not enough, they're not, uh, promoting policies that attack uh, drug consumption. They're, they're promoting policies that, uh, you know, uh, fund, uh, the Mexican army or, 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 you know, they're sending equipment to, to fight the cartels. But I think no one is really attacking the roots of the problem, which is this, uh, high demand for drugs in the U.S., uh, so it, it, it's so linked in a way, and I think if we start looking at it uh, on uh, how it extends to the U.S. and how it's linked, and how also some uh, you know part of uh, of the government is here is linked to that, then we I think there would be more interest for what's going on and how actions here are affecting Mexicans uh, down south. 
So and so you so let's let's jump to the, your 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 great stories recently. In covering that, who who was your audience? Do you think? Well, I think at least in Fusion, uh, our audience is, is young. We're we're not trying to to be the Washington Post or the New York Times. We're we're we're, we're betting on the, on the young audience. Uh, we're betting on fresh content. Um, we we I think Latinos uh, are is is a big part of our audience just because you know a lot of them have family back home or their parents came from from Mexico and and they still have ties to Mexico and the Latin America region. Um, so I think a huge segment of Latinos are still interested in only Mexico stories, uh, either because they visit frequently or they have family there or or you know they're half Mexican. Um, but I also think the drug war is a fascinating narrative that appeals to basically everyone. You know, with this news of, of Chapo Guzman escaping right. the prison, that, that stuff got reported all the way to Japan. That was on the front cover of every newspaper, you know, from Japan to Australia. Uh, uh, there was even a report of some uh, kid in... Uh, I believe it was the Netherlands, and they said they had spotted Chapo in a parking lot. So there's there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of fascination uh, for the mafia, and in that respect, for for the drug war and the cartels. But I think still the conversation is is too focused on that. And I think you know I can't tell you for sure who our audience is, um, but there is a lot of interest for this type of content, and I think Latinos are, are a big part of. of of that audience that is interested in, in what's happening with the drug war in Mexico. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about your articles and, and the role that online media is playing in the fight um, against the, the cartels and, and to bring um, restore, I guess, faith in government in Mexico after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Businesses Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Celebrating the best in online advertising, the Web Marketing Association presents the 14th Annual Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your banner ads, email ads, rich media, online newsletters, websites, and social media campaigns now by going to iacaward.org. Deadline for entries is February 15th, 2016. All winners will have their entry highlighted on the Internet Advertising Competition website, as well as receive a handsome trophy to display or a personalized certificate of achievement. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry into the Web Marketing Association's 14th Annual Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your entry today at iacaward.org. That's iacaward.org. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back and we're talking about the ongoing um, drug war in Mexico. And we're talking with um, Rafael 
Fernandez de Castro with Fusion Media, and um, he we, we in the first part we went over some background on the drug war and and the most recent events uh, in terms of some of the the, the journalists who have been killed, um, but. The, on, the, the battle has moved online. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about Narcodata and what that platform achieves and why it's significant? Uh, yeah, well, Narcodata is an initiative by uh, Animal Politico, which is uh, a digital news platform in Mexico. Um, and it came, it came up with Narcodata because uh, there wasn't enough... Uh, uh, infor- inf- information uh, that was coming out from the government to explain, you know, how many how many cartels are operating in Mexico, how many cartel cells are operating with them, and and basically there wasn't enough, uh, or the government wasn't facilitating access to free information in a way that was comprehensive and and and, and in which you would a- be able to see the entire scope of the drug war, or at least in the last 40 years. So Narcodata is trying to do that. It, it, it's publishing monthly reports, uh, you know, by c- citing government sources or getting access to official documents and also uh, by working with analysts to compile 40 years of drug war history and basically map out how cartels have evolved and, and what lessons we can learn from that uh, so that in the future... We, I guess, we learn how to efficiently tackle cartels and combat organized crime. But that's basically what they're trying to do with the project. And it, it that's, sounds quite ambitious. I mean, in terms of we're talking about a forty-year war, and I'm looking at the site in terms of mapping out who's who. And how, how did this come about? Who funded it? And and how is it sustaining itself? Given I, what I imagine is very likely. Um, virulent opposition from, you know, the government or from the cartels? Well, I think, um, you know, I think this is a collaborative effort uh, with other independent outlets and, you know, and drug war analysts like Alejandro Hope, um, who's been, who was a, previously he was a a government uh, security expert. Uh, now he's an independent analyst. Um, so it, it, they're teaming up with a bunch of analysts, um, other independent outlets, to kind of flesh out 40 years of, of, of cartel and, and drug war history in Mexico. Uh, I, you, you're right. The project is very ambitious. Um, and it, it, I think it's already making uh, both cartels and the government uncomfortable. Because basically what they're saying is that, you know, 30 years ago you had two main cartels. Right. Right. Today, we have nine different cartels. So there's no longer a monopoly. You have all these, in a way, if you want to see it like this, uh, companies in a competing market that are adapting, they're evolving, and they're not going away. So why have we uh, had this frontal approach against cartels for the last 40 years? I have no idea. Uh, There's no positive results from it because, you know, we had two cartels. Now we have nine. And, and that's the type of uh, content they're coming up with. And they're doing it through graphs and through uh, breakdowns and with, with a lot of images so that you can, you know, you can easily see uh, uh, how, you know, how, how the, main, the main takeaways of, of such a complex issue. So I think so far they're doing a great job. And, you know, and, and we can only, you know, time, can, can, uh, time will, will tell if, if they're able to, to accomplish this and if we can get you know, some conclusions on how to deal with cartels in the future. And what has the response been from the government of the cartels, if any? Uh, you mean to Narcodea? Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I mean, the, the project, I'm not sure there's a response yet. The project is uh, is quite new. Uh, it was launched, I believe it was launched uh, last month. Uh, or the month before that, and, uh, and and they're basically they're still getting you know their their, their stuff together, and and the the intention I think is to uh, publish uh, monthly reports on on big issues you know like I said like how cartels have uh, how you know the drug war has come to be nine cartels instead of two, or how you know what has been President Peña Nieto's strategy against cartel against cartels compared to that of uh, 
uh, his predecessor, uh, Felipe Calderon. So I'm not sure what's the government response yet, but I think if anything, uh, it, it, it'll be this will be good for the public because sometimes we get little reports here and there, but no one's really looking at the larger picture. Uh, no one is tying all the stories together. And I think uh, if, if there's anything good that the narco data can do is tie all those different uh, journalistic reports and investigations together and then build the larger the larger puzzle and, and so you can see the larger picture. And that that enables a, a, an effective discussion of the issue rather than, you know, it, it, the problem is just there. There's nothing we can do about it. Whereas, okay, well, now we know a little bit more about it and let's figure out some nuance and maybe something can be done. Is that kind of the idea? Exactly. I think, you know, when, when you're reporting or you're writing stories, um, you're just you're just reporting, right? You're just telling the story how it is. And there's nothing, no conclusion, you know, what, okay, so this happened, you know, 43 students were, were murdered in Guerrero. Uh, but we never, we never go beyond that and say, you know, what can we learn from this? What can we do different next time to avoid these tragedies from happening? And I think, uh, if anything, uh, narco data, if, if they're able to do it, uh, they'll, weave all these stories together and in a way they'll start providing the bigger conclusions, you know. If we know that we tackled uh, cartels in this way and there were two cartels, now they're nine, maybe we can try a different approach for the future because that approach is not working. So I think those are the kind of conclusions that a project like Narcodata can come up with. And... Um... Now, the other approach we've seen is actually you wrote an article about the vigilantes yes. who are also you know, the, the vigilantes are basically trying to do what, what the, they, I guess they believe the police should be doing but aren't. Basically, yeah, yes, that, that, you know, and, and that's what a vigilante is. It's basically they're trying to in, restore authority in places where there is none. And by the way, let me make a sign on you, if uh, your, your audience and you too, that you need to see this uh, documentary, documentary, it's called Cartel Land. And basically, uh, the, the filmmaker who directed this movie, he spent one year li living with the uh, vigilante groups in, in Michoacan, in the state of Michoacan. And, and this is a movie you definitely have to see to understand the complexity of, of the rising vigilante movement. And that but, is something yeah, that's being yeah. released this fall, correct? Sorry? It's being released uh, around this time, isn't it? Yes, he did. Um, and, and the movie the movie's just amazing. It, he, he has unprecedented access uh, to the vigilante leaders. Um, you know, he shows them in their, true, in their true light. You know, he shows the positive aspects and the negative aspects. And and I think you know the you the movie becomes the movie is about how something good turns out into transforms into the monster it was originally fighting. So what happened um, in, in in with a lot of vigilante groups? It's they eventually became little cartels in their own right. They were given weapons. Um, they were giving a green light by the government, and suddenly you have some of these groups that were there to fight cartels. You know, they started dealing drugs, they started dealing weapons, they started, uh, you know, extortioning uh, people. Um, so the, the thing that was there to fight the monster eventually ended up becoming the monster. Becoming the monster. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, back to your question uh, about online and the Internet. Uh, well, in, in Michoacan, there, this was a, there was a study uh, conducted by the University, University of California, Santa Barbara, uh, the, the National Autonomous University of Mexico, NAM, and, uh, and some uh, analysts from Microsoft. And, and the study was uh, titled uh, Participatory Militias, uh, an Analysis of, of an Armed Movement Online Audience. So what they did is they monitored this Facebook page, uh, which was called Valor for, Mi for Michoacán, which in English is uh, Courage for Michoacán. Uh, and they monitored the, yeah, they, they monitored the Facebook page for nine months. And, and they, what they found was that it, it was an influential weapon in the vigilante strategy to win public favor by, you know, informing people about street shootouts, you know, criticizing cartel leaders with, you know, with all sorts of, uh, you know, Internet stuff like memes or uh, hashtags. 
and, and also denouncing corrupt politicians that were sometimes in cahoots with the cartels. Uh, so, you know, they, they found, uh, you know, they found that this site, uh, was actually a way not to directly, uh, hinder the cartel's abilities to, to conduct their operations, but it was almost like a propaganda, like an anti-cartel propaganda machine where they, where you saw society go on Facebook and on Twitter to, to fight, uh, you know, cartel ideology or, or this, you know, this, uh, this belief that if you join the cartels, you're going to become rich and you're going to, you know, and you're going to live a uh, fast and, and, and fun and, and crazy life. Um, so in a way that that's what the, the, the Facebook page was for. It was to counter cartel influence in the internet. As you and your audience know, you know, cartels are also increasingly going online by hiring hackers, sometimes, you know, kidnapping engineers uh, to, you know, get access to government websites or just to protect themselves against government operation or, or to target journalists. So, you know, this is, a, this is an instance where you see both society and cartels fighting online and, you know, the government is still trying to catch up with that. And um, you were talking also how that they were actually kidnapping. They were kidnapping <laughs> um, programmers and to or hackers to to work for the cartels. Yes, this is this is something that's been going on for a while, and it's, it's, it hasn't been reported a lot. But actually, you know, there, there, there was there's been cases where. Someone, you know, an influential person on, on Twitter or, or, you know, just a normal guy on Twitter, you know, he, he, he posts something against the cartels and then the next morning or the next week, uh, he or she ends up dead. Uh, and how, you know, how do they, how do they manage to get to that person? Well, they have, they have hackers, they have engineers. They, you, you have to think of cartels, you know, they're, they're, they're a company. You know, and they have all the resources in the world. They have a lot of money. Um, so they, with that money, they can buy hackers. They can buy technology. Um, there was this case in, uh, in, the, in, in northern Mexico where in the city, the police actually dismantled like 60 cameras that had been installed there uh, by the cartels to have uh, vantage points throughout the city, uh, basically <laughs> to surveil the population and the police. Uh, so uh, you're seeing an unprecedented level of sophistication, and a lot of this sophistication is in the Internet and how uh, cartels are employing all types of experts to, to, to help them, you know, fight this war. And, you know, they're, they're also, at the same time, they're, they're also hiring engineers. Uh, these, this is why you find all these tunnels being built across the border to smuggle drugs into the United States. You know, a, a, a farm worker turned a drug cartel boss. It doesn't have the know-how to, to build those kinds of, of sophisticated tunnels. Now they're 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 hiring well-trained engineers. That's what's happening. I'm sure. Clearly, the, the, the level of sophistication needed to do that. Now, how is the you know, the movie Sicario got a lot of attention earlier this fall? How, how is that played on both sides of the border, from your perspective? I, 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 I watched Sicario and I thought it was uh, it's it's a it's a strong movie. Um, you know, in Ciudad Juarez, actually, the major uh, tried to boycott the movie because he he thought it it was a it was an ill conceived uh, you know portrayal of of the city and, and the city has has changed uh, uh, and it has moved on from some of its darkest days. But I think, you know, Sicario is spun on in portraying the brutality of the drug war and, you know, and then these rogue operations where basically you have to step out of the law to get these guys. But I also think it's, it's very harsh on Mexico. Um, it portrays Mexico like this, this lawless land where basically, you know, the, the, the cartels uh, can shoot you right across the border. Um, and I think, you know, I think it's not accurate in its, in its, in its entirety uh, when it portrays Mexico. And it's also too soft on um, how the U.S. drives all these violence uh, south of the border. But I think the movie's good. I think it, 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 it deals 
with the larger brutality of the drug war. And I also think it, it does a good job of appealing to an American audience that doesn't necessarily care about what's going on in Mexico. Right. And, and, and although you talk about lawlessness, it, it does portray lawlessness on both sides. It, it does. It does. But it, on the American side, it, it's a good type of lawlessness. You know? Right. We're That's supposed to be lawless they, when they, we it, go it, across yeah. the border. It, yeah, this group of, of, of agents, you know, FBI, CIA, they basically break the law to, you know, to, to take justice into their own hands. Um, so it's a, in a way, it's, it's, it's a positive lawlessness. You know, you got to do what you got to do uh, to fight these guys. Um, so that was my main uh, complaint with the movie. But I think the movie is great. And, and like I said, it, it, it has a female lead. Um, and it does a great job of, of, of making uh, American audiences interested in the subject because it's an action flick. No, it is, and, and effectively done. Um, going forward, I mean, how optimistic are you about of of these measures of using the internet of trying to create transparency um, to to address? what seems to be a, a, a corrupt system that isn't really serving its people. Well, listen, um, I'm not very optimistic um, because uh, there's this perception that the, the Internet is a safe place and it's neutral and no one can control the Internet and everyone's free to express their views. And somehow we believe that the Internet is not politicized. Uh, but I think we've seen, you know, what cartels can do with the Internet. Um, also, in Mexico, political parties are increasingly using Twitter bots uh, to, you know, promote uh, propaganda or to drown dissenting views through, you know, hashtag creation. So, I mean, there's these companies in Mexico where you can basically pay them and they'll have a bunch of Twitter bots, uh, you know, tweet the same hashtag over and over. So, uh, you know, uh, you can get a, a, a hashtag or a trending topic can be a purchase result. So I'm not very optimistic that the Internet um, can, can change things. I think it's one more medium that uh, both the government and the cartels can use uh, to fight the war. But in a way, I think people, they... You know, they're uh, Mexicans. They they love Twitter. They love they love Facebook. And in a in a country where you have huge media monopolies and where you know access to to accurate information is not always very easy to get, I think the internet is is a short term answer um, to to express dissenting views or to try to counter cartel influence or or, or just to get. You know, independent information that is not jaded in some way or politicized. And what about the role of you know the growing political class of you know, Mexican Americans? Um, I, I was just reading you know, earlier this week was the anniversary of Bill Clinton's being the first American president to go to Northern Ireland and actually defying the British in. Sending a special envoy for, you know, for for peace and to try to reach a resolution in Northern Ireland, which 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 was uh, a sovereign part of the United Kingdom, and um, but because it, there was a sizable you know, political payoff in the U.S. because of the large Irish population here that that cared about that, and you know as the the Latin. Um, Latinos in America become more politically potent. Um, is that an avenue to create greater pressure or um, maybe greater awareness and, and involvement in, in reform in Mexico? Yes, I, I mean I think uh, senators are you know con you know Mexican American congressmen and senators are some of the most uh, interested in the subject. Um, just because of the ties uh, with Mexico, right. or, or you have, you know, you even have governors um, like in Texas or in Arizona, where you know Mexico is always going to be an issue just because right. of the ties between the states and the border. Uh, but I think I think you're right on that. As, as we see more participation in politics by Mexican Americans and by Latinos, and just by people who have some cultural or family ties to Mexico. You're going to see these issues on the agenda, 
Uh, right now, I, I'm not sure uh, the bilateral relationship between the U.S. and Mexico is at its best moment. Um, I don't think no. President Obama and President Peña Nieto understand each other at a personal level. Um, so I think I think you're right. I think we, we need more of this, and I think that can happen with uh, you know more Mexican Americans and Latinos in, in, in top positions in the American government. And and so in in your coverage, so given that your your audience is international, but it has your obviously you're focusing um, for the the Latinos in America, uh, what has been the response to, of the Americans to to learning about the what's going on there? Uh, you mean the response of, of the American audience to what's happening in Mexico? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think sometimes the, the, the coverage is, is so negative. And, you know, I'm, we, we're to blame for that. Uh, but at the same time, you can't ignore, you know, the, what's coming out of Mexico right now. But I think the coverage is sometimes so negative uh, that Americans get this impression. Uh, and, and you can see this in the Sicario film, that, that somehow Mexico is this country uh, that is deep in chaos and violence. And, and, you know, when you, when you travel to Mexico, when you go to Mexico, life goes on. You know, yes, uh, you know, yeah. someone gets killed and, yeah, their body is hanging from a bridge. But people are still going to school. People are working every day. You know, life just is, is, is running as, as always and, and normal. Uh, so I think uh, the impression is, is more negative than it actually really is. Uh, and... and and I, I wouldn't tell anyone not to go to Mexico or not to travel or just to think about these issues as a, as an obstacle for not going to Mexico or doing business in Mexico. You know, I think life goes on. I think most of, uh, of the violence is in certain areas. I think there's a lot of places uh, in Mexico like Yucatan where the murder rate is actually, you know, that of countries like Switzerland. Uh, so Mexico is a very complex country. Uh, violence is not equally spread everywhere. Uh, you know, like any big country, there's certain areas you want to avoid. Um, there's certain states that have, you know, other problems. But uh, I think Mexico is, is doing well. I think the economy is, is doing well compared to other Latin American countries and, and other countries in the world where actually, uh, you know, the global crisis, uh, economic crisis hit them really hard. So I think Mexico has a lot going on uh, that's good, that's positive. Uh, President Peña Nieto managed to to pass some important uh, structural reforms in uh, telecommunications, energy, education, and I think we're going to see the the, the fruits of, of that in, in in years to come. So um, my main takeaway is yes, uh, American audiences get this uh, entirely negative view of Mexico. But that's not their fault. That is for journalists uh, like you and me to, to change the narrative and also expose uh, the positive stories coming out of Mexico, which I think are, are, are many. Well, thank you. We're going to take a short break. We come back. We're going to learn how you can learn more um, and how to contact our guest and all about fusion. And um, we'll wrap this up after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Is buying something that is made in the USA important to you? How do you know that it really is made in the USA? Certified Inc. is the only supply chain audit company on the planet which qualifies country of origin labeling. If it's important to you as a consumer to know where the products you buy and use in your own home come from, then it's also important for your customers. Visit us at madeinusa.net and find out more. Go to madeinusa.net because it's that. Important. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. 
Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back with Rafa Fernandez de Castro and from Fusion Media. And I want to thank him for taking the time to, to talk about this fascinating topic and one that I think you know, American media needs to shed more light on and also do so with, with nuance. And so I definitely appreciate you helping us do that. Um, Rafa, if people want to follow you, what's the best way to do so? Uh, yeah, they, they can follow me on, on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle. Twitter handle is Rafa FC91, so R A F A F C91. And if they want to reach out uh, with questions or even you know uh, pitches uh, for stories, uh, or if there's any freelancers out there that are covering Mexico or Latin America, feel free, feel free to re- reach out with questions or, or pitches, or, or you know just to keep the conversation on Mexico going. And I, I neglected to to mention or even ask, but you, you are you are from Mexico originally. I am from Mexico City, uh, born and raised there, um, and now you know I'm uh, I'm here on the U.S. side uh, working for Fusion, but I, I lived all my life in Mexico City. Well, thank you very much. I want to thank you for joining us, and um, it's really been a pleasure. And you know, I really like your outfit. You know, I, I follow Fusion religiously, so thanks again. Thank you, and thank you for having me today. So um, just to highlight one of the points that he made in terms of going to Mexico, I, I just returned um, from Zihuatanejo, as I mentioned at a prior show. And, you know, I went through the airport at Ixtapa and, and the security there was you know far better than any security I've seen in the U.S. So um, and, you know, the visit was great. Um, Ixtapa and Zihuatanejo actually are in the Guerrero state. Where the forty-three students disappeared, but everything you know it was a completely safe visit. Um, there were a lot of graffiti about the forty-three missing students, and so it kind of made me inquire further about what exactly had happened and what was the status. And the, you know, the amazing part of the story is there are no consequences. It seems, although some of the politicians involved have had to step down or flee. Uh, it doesn't really seem we haven't really seen much in terms of prosecution that, that I can recall on that. So um, it's a very important topic, and um, but the use of online as a, to open to provide sunlight where it, we've had a closed political system is very important, and it, I think this is a, a, a valuable to to use of the internet here to create that transparency and to create and pressure. And you know, one of the, the greatest moments we've had recently here in the United States with the Internet was where the SOPA protests, where um, entrenched interests were overcome through the use of you know, the, pop, the populace and you know, a groundswell of support uh, and opposition, and actually in this case in SOPA, to, to get people to act. And, and Mexico has an entrenched and maybe ossified system. Um, you know, they've only had a, a non-PRI president in, in only one or two occasions and uh, the last election was was highly suspect and, and there were a lot of questions of voter fraud and, and rigging and, and so in, in addition because of the system the way it's set up the president only serves one term you know there, there there's 
is little incentive, really. He's a lame duck from the minute he's in. And, um, you know, having a second term is often an incentive for, you know, a president to achieve results. And so, um, you know, Mexico is, despite what you see in the movies, it is doing well. It is a safe place. Um, but yes, there are areas where there are extreme violence. And as we saw in August, you know, journalists are getting killed at an alarming rate. And so, you know, that's something we as Americans, um, you know, not just in you know, the United States, but in you know, the, the Americas, you, know, you need to be aware of that this is happening at our border. So I want to thank everyone for joining us for this special show where we, we dealt with uh, what's going on south of the border. And, um, I want to thank Brasco for helping set this up. But um, tune in. Um, we're going to have, in two weeks, we'll be having our Heroes and Zeros segment with our, our favorite guests, Dan Tynan and Brendan Christensen. And we'll go over um, the major events of the last year and um, who who deserves our praise and, and who does not. And so it's always a fun episode. And if you have any suggestions for Heroes and Zeros, please let us know. Um, you can get more information on this show uh, by checking our blog and show notes at cyberlawradio.wordpress and or by following us on Twitter at cyberlawradio. In addition, um, check out the Internet Law Center. We're online at internetlawcenter.net. We're a full-service law firm that provides services um, from anything from e-commerce to cyber harassment. So go check us out. And um, But we'll be back here and next week on another edition of Cyberlaw Business Report. Till then, this is Bennett Kelly. Have a safe and happy week, and um, we'll see you then. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.